1: And so forth. I'm so glad I'm here. (laughs) Uh, It is October. It is canceled too soon, where we review TV shows that lasted only one season or less. And throughout October, we're only doing horror-themed TV shows as selected by our Patreon listeners. If you subscribe to us on Patreon, patreon.com slash critic acclaim, you can vote for future episodes of the show. And every episode in October was a Patreon poll. Uh, my name is William Bibiani. I am a film critic for The Rap and Bloody
0: Disgusting. My name is Whitney Seibold. I write for IGN and other places as well. I got a radio show. Can I talk about it? Yes, please. All right. Hey, Patreon subscribers. Do you want to hear a 30-minute radio show with a live cast and music and sound effects called The Tenth Muse that I wrote and directed myself? Of course you do. Yay. I don't know why I'm reading it like it's an ad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I'm very fond of radio drama, and I wrote and directed a radio show. It's 30 minutes long. I got a bunch of my friends together. They were game enough to do this for me. I fed them enough pizza and coffee, and they uh they were kind enough to record their voices onto microphone for me. And I finally mixed it together, and it's all done. It's uh, now available for free to the $20 level patrons. But if you want to purchase it, it's 10 bucks. You can uh, hit me up on social media, on Twitter. On I'm also on Instagram. He's at Whitney Seibold. At, at Whitney Seibold. And uh, yeah, just let me know uh, what your email address is. Uh, I can let you know how to get the payment to me, and you will have that in your collection. I will email you an MP3. Mm-hmm. It will be yours. Uh, <laughs> I'm really excited about it. It took a lot of work. It was just sort of a personal passion of mine. Uh, the 10th Muse is about a lesbian bar in Los Angeles. Uh, the ancient Greek poetess Sappho works there, and she's not the main character. Uh, there's a talking crab, and there's time travel, and there's a lot of references to punk rock and feminism and all, all sorts of wonderful things. So, uh, buy it. It's, <laughs> it's peculiar and hangout-y kind of comic drama thing that I just sort of sneezed out onto the page. I love
1: seeing Whitney excited. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's true because you know, it, it never happens. I'm not excited about no, anything like, it's anymore. Not that. It's
1: just like you know, look, we're we're adults. Mm. You know, we're 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 busy with work and family and things. And that you found a passion project and that you brought it all to fruition mm. is really exciting. And I hope a lot of people uh, get to download it and uh, purchase it from you if that's what it takes. If they're not part of our Patreon, and um, I hope you all enjoy. It. Yes, yeah. yeah, really great. Uh, but that's not specifically why you're here. You're here at this show to talk about TV shows that lasted only one season or less, some yes, of which are very indeed. famous, some of which are rather obscure. And when we discovered that this week's show existed, I got very excited, because this, this is totally my jam. Mm. Uh, for the first week in October, technically it's the second week, but we ran out of time and we're just going to have to double so, up. Yeah. Uh, but for the first episode for Gastly-tober, uh, we wanted to do a horror anthology show. Why? Because they're great. Even the worst ones... At least have
0: some hits hidden in them. There's some
1: hits hidden in them. They're weird. They're not like... You know, most shows, you know, they try to have the same tone, the same type of story every single week. With an anthology, you have the freedom to go a little crazy. And every episode is a new adventure, even if it's not necessarily a satisfying one. Um, So we love them, and we love reviewing them, and we gave our patrons a whole bunch of options. And the one that you picked is... An anthology series hosted by Anthony Perkins, the legendary Mm -hmm. star of Psycho. And every single episode is based off of the works of Patricia Highsmith, the author of The Talented Mr. Ripley, Strangers on a Train, and it's called Mistress of Suspense.
0: It's also called Chillers, which is a little confusing because there's another anthology series called Chiller.
1: And there's also another anthology series called Chillers, I think. There's Um, way too many things called Chiller. Mm. Um, Yeah, in America, the show was released as Chillers. Uh, In Britain, it was released as Mistress of Suspense. This is a co-production from Britain and France, so half the episodes were produced in England and those episodes are incredibly British, and the mm-hmm. other half are produced in France and, and those episodes
0: and, are pretty darn British. Uh, there's one episode where somebody has a British girlfriend and they talk about how British she is and she has a French accent. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? You guys are all French. This
1: must be what it's like to like be French and watch American movies set in France where it's just oh, like, yeah, everyone's it like, just talking with British accents and mm. you're just like, what
0: the fuck? You're like country You're you're a whole sea away
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mistress of Suspense Aired on ITV In 1990 Mm -hmm. Um, It was produced by Robert Hallmey Jr. uh, The Emmy award winning Producer of stuff like Lonesome Dove Which we've covered on the Cancel Too Soon Monthly Movie It's an incredibly popular and Celebrated uh, TV western Miniseries starring Robert Duvall and Tommy Lee Jones Mm -hmm. Uh, He also co-founded The Hallmark Channel Uh, as we're like Hallmark movies, whatever the brand is, Uh um, very prolific. We have someone at the door, excuse me. And after a seamless cut that I'm calling attention to anyway, we are back. (laughs) Um, yeah, so it's got a good pedigree. Uh, it's got a great cast. In addition to Anthony Perkins, uh, we have celebrated actors like Ian Holm, uh, Ian Richardson, Other Ian's as well. (laughs) Ian Uh, McDermott. No, Ian McDermott's not in it. uh, Nickel Williamson is in it. Ian
0: McShane is in it.
1: Yep, Ian McShane, like pretty young Ian McShane. Most people didn't know Ian McShane until like the late 90s, like when he became Mm. like a name actor. So it's kind of interesting to see him.
0: Because he looks like a catcher's mitt in his episode. (laughs) We
1: got Bill Nye in one of these as Mm -hmm. well. It's a really solid cast. Um, And unlike a lot of like horror thriller anthology shows, there's nothing supernatural about this.
0: There's like no. one episode
1: where arguably maybe something supernatural is going on, but even that mm. could
0: just be... Oh, that's the weirdest episode. Right. Um Yeah, uh, Patricia Highsmith was uh, very much like Alfred Hitchcock. I think that's why they used the name Mistress of Suspense, Mm because Hitchcock had been called the Master of Suspense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, she was more interested in the weird, murderous foibles of the human being. Yeah. She wasn't interested in ghosts or monsters. She was interested in the way people turn into murderers and how common and easy that is.
1: She has a very negative worldview when it comes to the human condition and uh, the morality.
0: People are uh, cruel... Uh, absent-minded, licentious cheaters who will do anything they can uh, to, A, to get ahead, but mostly just because it's their whim. People just have dark impulses and follow their dark habits, and that's just the way people are, to Patricia Highsmith.
1: And uh, under normal circumstances, I would find that worldview eh, rather limited and perhaps Mm. immature. Patricia Highsmith earns it. (laughs) Uh, There are various stories. I'm sure you've seen some of the movies based on her works. Carol, notwithstanding, Carol was uh, a book she originally wrote under a pseudonym, and it was the first, uh, it's it's been called this, I don't know how true it is, uh, the first lesbian romance novel with a happy ending. (laughs) Um, But uh, the majority of her career was about tales of criminality Mm -hmm. and uh, human frailty and people who are just generally quite terrible to each other. But she puts in the work. Yeah. And you can see that these people are not bad people just because it's superficial, but because she figured out the human condition and She's sees the, um, what makes people go rotten. And she thinks everybody has it in them. Yeah,
0: everybody has the, the potential to do something really, really rotten. Look at, like, Tom Ripley, for instance. Yeah. He... he only has the gumption and the talent as it were mm-hmm. to pursue his darkest impulses. Yeah. Sometimes it's an accident, sometimes it's very much on purpose. Uh, I love the arcs of of Tom Ripley in the movies he's in because he's like starts out kind of looking kind of normal, starts committing all these sins, commits murders to sort of cover up and ends up more or less back where he started. Yeah. It's a weird
1: cycle. Yeah. She, the, people don't always get comeuppance in Patricia Highsmith's world, but when they do, it's usually not the way you would expect any typical ironic twist ending. No. Uh, the episodes of Mysteries of Suspense vary wildly, as most anthologies do. However, I do like most of them.
0: I like about half of them
1: a lot. Some are just dull. There's a couple of crap Uh, ones. Some of them clearly have uh, been padded out to an hour mm, long and and, should have been 20 minutes at most.
0: Unfortunately, this was running concurrently with Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt was on the air at the same time as Mistress of Suspense. And Tales from the Crypt had already trained us how this story is supposed to work. Mm -hmm. Um, Wife kills her husband at the behest of boyfriend gets together with boyfriend boyfriend is really awful or wife is really awful or they're just living it up high on dead husband's money and then dead husband comes back from the dead to kill them that's ironically, the way the, ironically an ironic yeah, way. in an ironic way it's like oh yes we've always wanted our our big kitchen uh, we, we wanted to kill you so we get enough money to make our big kitchen with my boyfriend and he kills them and cooks them in the kitchen that's yeah. the that's the big ironic twist
1: yeah it's not very uh,
0: complicated but it is satisfying it's satisfying yeah these like that's what tales from the crypt is these little morality fables um Misfits of Suspense. Amorality Fables. Uh, uh, amorality Fables, and you keep waiting for like the big, broad, supernatural thing to happen. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, and this person's going to come back from the dead now, right? Right? Oh, no, you're just going to move?
1: Yeah. that's wait, not. Wait, the sh- wait, that's where the-
0: did this character come from? Why, why does this... Like, you're looking at your watch. This just keeps on going. But huh? that's not
1: the show's fault. We no. are putting it against... A show that has superficial similarities, but is, mm. *Tales from the Crypt* is entirely different. Yeah. *Tales from the Crypt* is, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, mm. it's very comic booky and in that old school nineteen fifties, very blunt, three color, in your face, just trying to get your attention with crazy angles and images mm. and violence, and that's what it's inspired by. Those are the original *Tales from the Crypt* comics, and that's what it's good at. Oh mistress of suspense are, these are stories for adults these are yeah. stories in, in fact a lot of the anxieties and fears that are explored in mistress of suspense are things that i don't think i would have even mm. been that riveted by when i was a high schooler mm. you know like i wouldn't really understand the frustrations of having like an elderly couple living in your house and constantly <laughs> messing with your stuff like, when mm. I was in high school, I would probably go, well, you're clearly overreacting. And I'm watching it now as an adult, and I'm like, that would be the most horrible thing <laughs> in the world. That would be so annoying. I-, I totally get it now. Like, these are not the concerns of young people. This is not trying to, like, it- attract you with luridness or gore. These are stories of rather subtle psychology. Yeah. Some more so than others. And there's a few that do have ironic endings, but mostly not. Mm. I want to, before we get going on the individual episodes, I'm gonna go in in order, oh. in, uh, which which they're on the DVD anyway. Uh, mm. I want to talk about host segments because <laughs> okay. host segments in anthology shows, I think, are very important. Mm. When you're doing an anthology series, you know, an anthology series. If anyone's new to the concept, every episode is a new story, right?
0: Uh, So they need to be introduced to a little little tiny bit of context.
1: Yeah. So what a host segment does, and someone just tells you, Alfred Hitchcock presents, Alfred Hitchcock comes out and introduces the story. The Crypt Keeper comes out, makes a couple Mm -hmm. of jokes. It does a couple of things. One, it establishes a sense of continuity between otherwise completely disparate episodes. Yeah. So the whole show feels like it's of a piece. Mm -hmm. Two, it establishes tone. Yeah. It, It tells you right now, this is the kind of story we're about to tell. So buckle up. This is mm. so when the crypt keeper makes ghoulish puns and then cuts off someone's hand and says, "I gotta hand it to you, Reggie," or something like that. Like you know, you're not supposed to take this episode very, very seriously. Yeah. That that that's really really important. They also need to, and this is something I wouldn't think would need to be like an established rule, uh-huh. but it's something that I think if there's one thing Mistress of Suspense completely airballs, it's the host segments because it they, doesn't
0: make any sense. They need to be relevant in some way, and, and they. <laughs> they bend over backwards to try to make them sound relevant. It's like, I, I feel like the head sets at random. It feels like they, they're
1: at Anthony Perkins' house, it's like, and every host takes place today? in a new
0: room. It's like, well, I'm going to have some ice cream. Okay, um, ice cream reminds you of people who ask for too much in their life. It's like, what, what are you talking about? What are you talking And he just goes on, and he drones. And I love Anthony Perkins. And
1: sadly, you know, this was towards the end of his uh, life. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, he, died, uh, he died two years after this. Died yeah. two years
1: after this. I, I believe he already knew that he was HIV positive at yeah. that point. And, um, it's hard to imagine this was a big passion project for him. It feels like he's kind of just collecting a paycheck on this one. He's always Anthony Perkins. He does his job, but he's not really super invested in the material. He's just kind of saying lines for most of it. You don't get any of that sort of impish cleverness you get from yeah. some of the better, even psycho sequels. Have,
0: have you anything. seen the new creep show yet? No, not yet. it's pretty yeah, good though. It's, it's really good. That's it's, good. It's quite good. Um, the host doesn't speak. It's kind of annoying. What? <laughs> the, the, the host, the creeper, the, the one that sort of introduces just sort of like looks through a book and shows you pictures. It doesn't actually say anything. What? It's an odd choice. And, 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 and it's a, it's a good effect. It's a, like okay. a practical puppet, but I'll yeah. have to check it
1: out. Um, I'd be looking forward to it. I just haven't had a chance. I've been so busy. Yeah, <laughs> I've been trying yeah. to just do all these damn podcasts. Um, But, uh, yeah, Anthony Perkins just, you know, shows up in, like, a curio shop. You know, all of these possessions were possessed by people once, and And they liked them, and now no one knows. (laughs) Anyway, here's a story. I'm like, Anthony, (laughs) just bring it home. Sometimes I don't even think he saw the same show we did. I I imagine he didn't. It's entirely likely. But, like, whoever wrote the material, unless Anthony Perkins is just ad-libbing this shit someone should have seen the show, someone should have read the script, someone should have told him what the fuck is going on. <laughs> he just, it's such a shame, because I was excited, like, ooh, Anthony Perkins. Uh-huh. I like Anthony Perkins, he's a really good actor. Doesn't have anything to do with him. Barely, honestly, I'm not even sure why he's here. <laughs> like, this, we might have been better without a host segment this time, but mm-hmm. in any case, every episode begins with Anthony Perkins going about his business, talking to the camera about something completely banal, and then moving on. Hmm. And the first episode is actually a pretty good one.
0: Uh, the first episode, well, what, I, I might have seen them out of order because I watched this on yeah. Amazon Prime, and ah. I think they were they broadcast in a different order on there. I, so.
1: I, I I have them on the DVD order. That's what we're going to go with. I uh, think I think it's a little different from broadcast order. But what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to start with uh, episode one on the DVD. The cat brought it in.
0: Okay. Yeah, this was the second one I saw.
1: Uh, so in this episode, mm-hmm. uh, there's a nice house in the country. Uh, there's a, a man, a woman, and I think their niece and, uh, like an, an uncle are living there. Oh, uh-huh. and, uh, one day they're just having tea and the cat comes in and the cat has brought in a couple of human fingers, <laughs> just the fingers, yeah. nothing
0: else. Two human fingers attached to the little, little knuckles attached with the, on the hand and there's a and ring on it. It's somebody's left hand. Everybody looks at the fingers and they're having
1: their tea and say, like, good Lord. The cat brought in some fingers, and then they talk about
0: it for a while. Well, the fingers are just there on the ground. Well, what, what do we do with fingers? Oh, I don't
1: know. It's probably industrial accident. Oh, maybe it's not, Reginald.
0: Hmm, hmm. Why do you think the cat got them? I don't know.
1: uh, More biscuits, please. I thought the whole episode was going to take place at that conversation. Just with the fingers on the floor next to them. I kind of would have been fine with it. It was a hilarious counterpoint. Mm. Um, And then they're like, oh, well, we should probably put them in a box or something before the maid sees them. She'll have questions. Should we take them to the police? Well, I don't see what good that would do. Uh, (laughs) We uh, can't reattach them now.
0: (laughs) Clearly some foul play is afoot that could be Mm. investigated. Yeah. The uh, the the
1: elder statesman of the family starts taking it upon himself to make awkward inquiries in town. Mm. Like, so this is a good bit where he goes to the pub and he's just like, do you, do you know anyone who's ever disappeared? <laughs> Why do you ask? Oh, you know, I was just reading in newspapers that sometimes
0: people disappear. And I thought, maybe someone did. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading this, yes, it was a mystery story of some kind where somebody yeah. was missing some fingers. Um, Over the course of we're we're, we're speaking that way because they are unbelievably prim upper upper class British people.
1: I feel like this episode is trying to send up that uh, that element of stiff upper lip British aristocracy where you act like Mm. everything's fine, even if everything is clearly not fine. Mm. Um, And I think this one is one of the more satirical episodes. I actually really love this episode. But, yeah, I like this one a lot. Um, what happens is, over the course of the episode... They, they
0: investigate and they find out whose fingers they are. They
1: find out whose fingers they are, and it's a guy who went missing, and then they ask his employer, like, if mm. you know anything, and then finally the employer, played by a relatively young Bill Nighy. Uh-huh. Um, I can't recall seeing him younger in anything. Uh-huh. Uh, he shows up, and he's just like, Oh, yes, yeah, I was here about my uh, employee you were looking for. Yeah, <laughs> um, I thought you should much want to know I, uh, mm. I killed him. <laughs> uh, you what now? Yes, no. I was maybe I might as well just tell you. Um, yeah, I was sleeping with my wife, and uh, you know I um,
0: killed him. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, sleeping with my wife.
1: Hey, eh, what? And uh, yeah, and killed him. And uh, ki- I felt I feel very bad. Killed about him it in the head, him. you know. And uh, yes, and uh, you know, so there's a bit of a flashback. I could see him hitting on the head and burying him, and uh, the and, fingers and got detached, and they just missed it.
0: And, yeah, and the cat found them.
1: Yeah, and so. What happens after the confession, though, is is where the episode really sings. Because (laughs) Bill Nye is just like, well, that's that's that. Then I imagine you want to tell someone. And then the the British guy is just like, well, I don't know about all that. And so he goes goes to his family and is like, this is privilege. He Mm -hmm. goes to his whole family and is like, well, what do we do? Do we, do we tell the police that he confessed to a murder? Oh, I don't well, think
0: so. Well, what good yeah.
1: will it do now? No. <laughs> we'll right. just send him to jail. And he seems <laughs> nice. Yes, justice for the dead person. <laughs> and, and then they decide to like say, we'll, we won't tell anybody, we'll just let it go. And here are the mm. fingers. you know, they, They're yours anyway at this point, yeah. I figure. And he drives away. And then the niece has a great last bit, which is like, yes, well, I bet in a fit of guilt... He drives himself off of a cliff. That's how these stories end, right? Like assuming karma is going to work for them. <laughs> and the last shot of the movie is just Bill Nye, dri- like driving into his house and calmly walking indoors, <sighs> having gotten away with murder because everyone's too polite to do anything about it. And it's a really, really great story about yeah. how you cannot trust justice to work. You just, actually have to be a you, part of you it. You have
0: to do it. Yeah. What yeah, a pa- great tale. I pa- love this. Pat- Patricia, Patricia, High, Patricia Highsmith was pretty cynical. The systems will not work for you. The only thing that will work for you is you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if, if the upper class British aristocracy will let murder get, just slide, yeah. then murder will slide. And uh, yeah, it's it's hilarious. The scene where the the I think it's the father and the son are in the shed. Uh, it's a like, father
1: and like his his brother or his think, bro- Yeah, or something his, like that. And the father
0: is played by the actor who played Senex. And a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. I mm-hmm. um, oh, can't remember the action. I'll, him right I'll, now. I'll look. Yeah. Him up, Yeah, and they're just sort of, like, poking it with a stick. Oh, don't you think we have to get the ring off? And that they're doing these really... Edward Fox. Edward Fox. That they're doing these really grim things to the fingers is pretty hilarious. Yeah. No, this is one of the highlights Um, of the show. And it ends with a a penetrating uh, shot of the cat. This is the second episode I saw. Okay. Uh,
1: The second episode on the DVD is an episode called Sauce for the Goose. And this is, like, the tenth episode I saw. So so weird. Sauce for the Goose uh, starts off like a pretty familiar thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a uh, uh, Ian McShane plays a crooner oh. who uh, goes to a really unimpressive gig in a very unimpressive town, and he's a very unimpressive singer. Yeah, he kind of sucks, actually. Like <laughs> he he's, he carries, he's got the suave down because he's Ian McShane. But but he's in. is not a singer. He like, can't sing. Like he's like he, he, can, can, he can carry a tune. But I wouldn't hire of, him to sing. Yeah. I wouldn't hire him to entertain people with his singing voice.
0: But uh, he he's out of money. He's got no place to crash. And you can tell that this is a habit of his. Mm-hmm. He goes up to an inn that is run by. A, an unhappy housewife, uh, charmed, and, her, and her husband, and her who's husband, kind of a dick. Yeah, and and he just sort of uses his Ian McShane charm to slime his way inside and get free room and board, basically. Uh, and and he's kind of upfront about that. It's like, oh, I have nowhere to stay. Can can I stay here? Mm-hmm. And and it just he's just constantly
1: flirty with right. this woman who it's difficult. Just clearly uh, hasn't had love in her life in a while.
0: Yeah, and it's difficult to tell if he's putting on airs or if he's actually into her. Yeah. And uh, they begin talking about how, well, this is really great. And they start having like a proper affair, sneaking around and doing sexual things behind closed doors. And, and the husband
1: guesses it right away. Yeah. And he's just like, go ahead, have your affair. You'll come crawling back. It's just a fling. Mm. Um, she finally, uh, he ends up having to go away. And, uh, you know, he's got other gigs and she's very lonely and sad. Mm. And then finally, she we find out she engineers it so that her husband trips and falls down the basement stairs and breaks his neck and dies. Mm. Uh, This uh, is all part of a scheme with her and me and McShane that we didn't see. We also
0: forgot to mention Chekhov's freezer. It's going (laughs) to They have a a walk in freezer uh, that she keeps her ice
1: cream in. It's her one vice. uh,
0: it's kind of a bizarre thing to have just in your kitchen. It's like this ordinary well, country kitchen, but they have this gigantic walk-in freezer and They have in a the gigantic
1: middle. walk-in freezer, and, like, yeah, they're bed and breakfast, but I don't get the impression they have more than, like, seven rooms. I don't know if you need a giant freezer for that. <laughs> um, but, um, so the whole thing is, okay, great, my husband's dead, now we can get married, but then... And they do. And they do, and uh, he immediately kind of gives up on the relationship and just starts eating off of her savings, and talks about selling the bed and breakfast, which she doesn't want to do. And she quickly realizes that he is not invested in this. And he was the one who suggested murder. And and I'm
0: guilty of murder and he's
1: not. And now he's going to engineer it in such a way that I'm going to die. That's what he says. I'm going to, he doesn't, want to kill people he likes finding ways for people to kill themselves right so they're like go back to like they go on a date by a cliff and he's like run to me darling run and he's standing at the edge of a cliff <laughs> and she goes for it and only then does she panic like wait a minute
0: you're trying to kill me aren't you he's like, no, no 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 so she's so she plans counter-murder that involves that freezer. Uh well he plans or I guess he plans a he murder. Plan, he, that after involves He finally the freezer. convinces
1: her that everything's fine. He plans to trick her into going to the freezer and then uh he he sabotages the latch that keeps the door open mm. while you're inside. So it just closes and locks and then she'd die. But the joke's on him, he accidentally locks himself inside, she figures it out, and she decides to just let him stay there.
0: Yeah, as he's just dying kind of, and freezing to death. It's really creepy. Oh, she's just sort of standing there watching him plea for mercy and then
1: after he's dead she like goes to sleep has a wonderful night's sleep she feels mm. better <laughs> and then she goes and she goes oh he's dead now okay now i need to get my story straight and talk to police okay well okay well i, I, he's so I the saw free. him in the freezer of course i went into the freezer oh i should go into the freezer in order to oh my glasses he's got my glasses well, that's evidence i should take those out she goes to the freezer not realizing the, the that latch the latch had been sabotaged and then the door closes and then and the last shot is her freezing to death Yep. It's one of the, it's, like, the only, like, proper
0: ironic ending it, I think it, we've got. It takes so long to get there. This is such a slow-moving episode. Yeah, this it's, this one
1: should have been half an hour, but I yeah. do like the narrative, and the ending is very, very satisfying.
0: The, the ending is pretty fun, but, like, up until that point, it's like, come on, just, somebody kill somebody already.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it's, all things considered, relatively good episode in the show, maybe not the mm. best, but the ending is a hoot. Uh, the next episode is Old Folks at Home. mm uh, and this is about uh, a young, somewhat upper-class couple. Uh, who are writers. The, yeah, they're writers. Uh, and they decide, uh, you know, instead of getting a dog, or instead of having kids, they're going to sign up to occasionally take care of the elderly. And there's an elderly couple who's going to stay with them for about a month Mm. And uh, they're just gonna treat them, you know, like guests in a hotel. Yeah. Oh, how very funny! And what they find out is that they're mm. not guests in a hotel. They're people who are gonna treat this place like their home. <laughs> and they start doing things that drive them up the like, wall, like cutting long, their prize roses, long, or, long
0: distance uh, phone calls in the middle of the night, um, smoking uh, in bed, which yeah, is of course clog, very clogging dangerous. up all of the plumbing. Yeah, they're just there's terrible, a, terrible house guests. there's Then there's a bit
1: where like any any writer or artist would like just immediately go, no, they are gone. Yeah. Where she's writing a novel and like her last chapter is deleted.
0: Yeah, because they were messing with the computer.
1: I, if they lost the entire thing, they would just been stabbing victims, like right there. Like, <laughs> there would be no ironic ending. There'd be mm. nothing. It'd just be dead right then. Mm. So she's up, to, up had it up to here with these old people, and they do a good job of showing that the elderly couple—they're not sinister. They're taking advantage,
0: mm. but they're not sinister. They're actually they're just- kind of sweet. They're they're just really de- destructively clueless. Yeah, like and again, they, they, and
1: that's not charming. And and they know that they're that they're taking advantage of hospitality, but the hospitality was offered, mm. so they're taking advantage of it. And it all builds to a really great ending. It's not
0: really. I love this ending. Oh, I hate this ending. I all love right. this ending
1: because here's the ending. Uh-huh. The ending is uh, they finally decide. You know what? Screw it. Let's just we got to get away for a night, and they go away for a night. Mm-hmm. And when they get back, the house is on fire. Yep, And they see the house on fire and they realize what happened. They were smoking in bed or whatever. And they're just staring at the house on fire. They're not like driving up to the house. They're not running inside to get to them. It's like, oh, no, the house is on fire. Oh,
0: well. Oh, no. It's a good thing I took out
1: that insurance policy. Well, no, no, no. Let's stop that. That's not that cute. Because it's not about them being like winking to the camera. It's about how they decided to commit murder without committing murder. And mm. they're fine with it. And they're just oh. sort of just like, oh, no, the house is on fire. Oh, no. um, Oh, well, it's too late. Oh, yeah, much too late. It's clearly not too late. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like well, okay. Well, it just, it just, it's just they're not going to kill them, but they decided not to try to help. Yeah. And they both agreed to right then. And it's like, oh, no, what about your novel? Oh, I always keep a spare with me. Mm. Oh, do you? Yeah, I do now. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, great. And so they like feel pretty good that this, this old couple is dead. And it's just about mm. how they had committed murder in their heart. Yeah, whether or not they actually committed murder. And then mm. the jokes on them. The old couple is fine. And they saved the television. <laughs> That's the one That's thing awful. they saved. I love this little bit of sinister cynicism mm. where it's just I, you've given up on these people emotionally. You hate them so yeah. much that the whole point of the story is You're how evil it, die. how yeah. evil it is that you don't care if people die. Mm. That's it. Yeah. I like that. I like it. it's just a simple thing. House guests, right? And then it tells everyone who's been mad at their house guests. At heart, you're a murderer, and there's something really <laughs> deeply disturbed about
0: that. That's, that's very universal, and I like this one. It's upsetting that they're not really murderers, though.
1: No, I think I think that would have been trite,
0: uh, though. Whatever. I think it just kill the old couple, then the movie. Then it's whatever. I like that. I like that. It's just like... So nothing happened in the episode is the problem. They hated these people. They wanted to kill them. It looked like they were dead, and they they, weren't, and that's the end. It's about
1: people people who think they're good people, not Mm. realizing they're incredibly selfish, terrible people, and the moment when they come to realize that, and then a little bit of ironic twist that they're still Mm. stuck with these old people they have to take care of after everything's on fire.
0: But at the very last, they say, well, let's bring you in, and let's just make sure you're okay, and they start doing decent things. They have to say that. They don't uh, actually agree with that. No, I think think it's a nothing episode. I think the story, it doesn't make its point, it doubles back. Mm. It's not very well written.
1: Okay, well we mm. can disagree on this right. one. Uh, the next one in order is The Thrill Seeker.
0: Oh gosh, these are all out of order. Yeah. Jeez. Uh,
1: but... This episode is about This is one of the French episodes. This is the first French episode oh. we've run into. Um, it is about a guy who proofreads encyclopedias and it's a very boring life, and he's decided to build some excitement by picking Five. random people of each, each letter of the alphabet he's just going in order of the alphabet. Their oh. name begins with that letter. Pretending to be someone else, insinuating himself into their lives, and, and stealing one kind of minor, unimportant thing from their house—it's
0: just a hobby of his. Yeah, and he, it's, he thinks it's, it's
1: relatively harmless. Uh,
0: yeah, he, he sees it as kind of like an acting exercise, and this th- this has Tom Ripley all over it. Oh yeah, this is the Tom oh, yeah. Ripley a- episode because that was that was the whole thing with the talented Mr. Ripley was he was good at sort of pretending to be other people and mm. insinuating himself into people's lives at uh, under that guy's, um. This is one I liked just because I liked the main character. Like, I liked slash hated the main character. Mm-hmm. Just this this weird impulse to do this strange thing and manipulate people Yeah, is, I think, something really interesting because people are inherently very trusting. And that's actually something that's really easy to take advantage of, mm-hmm. even in a harmless sort of way. I think what he sees, what he's doing, he is stealing from these people, but not... Important thing, yeah, not, not a, money. Not, yeah, he's not like. like shoes. He's not trying to make them, like, destitute by robbing them, and he's not living off of this sort of thing. He's, he just wants to know that he got one over on. Yeah, he's just trying to, uh, dance through the raindrops, as it were. Yeah. And. That's a very interesting impulse, and Mm. I think that's something we're all occasionally tempted by. Have you ever lied to a stranger, like to a clerk or something?
1: I I, one time when I was young, Uh. I was on an airplane, and someone asked me what I did, Mm. and I was like, "I'm a storyboard artist." (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Just once. I'm actually a little ashamed of that. It Uh, it was a no harm, no foul thing. Yeah. And like that's it. I was like, I'm just gonna have a little cheap thrill today, and I'm I'm very embarrassed by that. That was very immature of me. But it was immature. But what what harm did you do? It would be like you told a
0: stranger a lie. They have an interesting story. They'll never know. Unless they're listening to the podcast now. Wait a minute. (laughs) That guy who's sitting next to you on the plane was a fraud. And people say, you know, they put a lot of value on the truth. But do they? If, If it's really completely harmless, why?
1: No, I don't know. I, feel, I have a sense. Of, I have a big guilt complex in general. I, I can't. I can't just well, but lie that, to people. But like that's that. on you. <laughs> that's well, not on them.
0: You're not hurting them at all.
1: Well, I'm not entirely sure that's mm. true. But in any case, um, and of course, it all leads to
0: tragic death. Well, and he, he ends up. Uh, two of his victims end up in the same place, mm-hmm. and it turns out he took something that actually was valuable, uh, and he's trying to take something else that turns out might be also very valuable. Mm-hmm. There's also this interesting bit
1: where. He tries to go straight, but then he finds out that he can't work unless he's got this sense of release. Uh There's also an interesting thing it plays with, and it was a little unclear on the ending, but I get the impression that... um, Because the framing device is him trying to confess to murder. Okay. And I have a feeling that he didn't actually care the character he was playing cared. Uh Um. So it just gets a little fuzzy for me at the end. Mm -hmm. I wasn't entirely sure how it came together. Um.
0: But I, th- uh, I think reality was like sort of unraveling at that point. Perhaps. So you couldn't really tell which, char- which character he had played was actually him at that point. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: in any case, mm. it's pretty good. I-, I think it gets a little muddled, but um, it's certainly a very solid Patricia Highsmith setup. Yeah. The next episode on the disc is the weirdest damn thing.
0: Is this the Sam Fuller episode? This is
1: the Day of Reckoning. This is the only episode...
0: Oh, gosh, this is the weirdest
1: thing. A lot of these episodes are made by people who directed a lot, but like this is the only episode directed by a filmmaker who you should know who they are. Like hmm. They're important. Uh, this is directed by Samuel Fuller, the director of films like Shock Corridor... Yeah. Uh, and the naked kiss. He makes very in-your-face, confrontational films, sweaty,
0: hard-boiled, uncomfortable movies. Yeah,
1: brilliant filmmaker. Mm. Brilliant filmmaker, but
0: very in-your-face. Uh, and here he is, more or less adapting an Upton Sinclair novel. Uh, <laughs> a working-class guy runs into friendly man. The friendly man says, "I could use a husky guy like you at my poultry farm." And he go to the poultry farm, and we learn what a terrible fucking nightmare chicken farm is. <laughs> Uh, now, yeah. the guy who runs it is kind of okay with it because he seems to, like, get off on chickens in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Not sexually. He's just really interested in chickens. He's really
1: interested in chickens, and he loves being able to dominate them. He has this whole monologue about <laughs> yeah. how about how he has convinced chickens that days are only four hours long so that mm-hmm. they'll lay more often. And, oh. and he just... Yeah, he's just kind of divorced from human experience. He just only knows exerting authority <laughs> Ch- chicken over chickens.
0: Kind of, chicken, the chicken coops, by the way, they're all automated. There's chickens everywhere. The noise is unbearable. Mm-hmm. The stench is unbearable. And it's constant. It's like entering hell. And it's the dude's house. It's and not yeah, even and like... And yeah, he like opens a door in his bedroom, and there's the chicken farm. It's totally <laughs> surreal. It's like a dream. Yeah. And uh, they begin to realize one of them isn't right. <laughs> okay, so here's... It's so weird. So this guy comes the, to visit it's like his chicken run. Trip. They're organized. This, so
1: the chickens are revolting. Finally, something we agree on. This his like nephew comes to visit him and he starts having an affair with his aunt, who I think is a non-biological aunt, but still yeah. kinky and weird. Um, and... Uh, they uh, he, the the nephew has like a bunch of like I think he visited the farm too young and got really traumatized by all the violence to the chickens and everything so he's mm. having these really surreal dreams but. The opening of this episode is fucking bizarre. So and after the Anthony Perkins bit, <laughs> it's this guy, and he's home. and like, oh, the chicken's up. And he gets picked up by a truck. And he gets picked up by the truck. And then a rooster walks in front of the camera. And you, um, there's a freeze frame on the shadow of a rooster. And has, there's special music. It looks
0: really shifty, that rooster. <laughs> they keep
1: cutting to a rooster looking shifty-eyed. I don't think the rooster actually does anything. I think It's
0: Sam, a chicken. It's the dumbest animal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. It's not like there's,
1: like one smart chicken oh. who's like gonna like lead an evil revolt well, it's the, not I like mean, it's not like that movie what was a White God where there was a dog that had been abused by people and white it, white dog no White Dog's a Sam Fuller
0: movie
1: yeah I'm talking about this like uh, tech, like
0: Oh, from, from just like two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, White God. That was White God. You're right. Yeah, yeah. It's a,
1: right. it's it's an odd movie, but it's uh, about a dog who undergoes like he's a good dog who undergoes some horrific abuse, and then finally leads a revolution mm. of dogs yeah. that are running through the streets of a city, killing people. It's pretty amazing. Um, it's not like that's happening. They just keep cutting to the rooster anyway. And then uh, the, 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 the chicken owner's, like, his daughter dies tragically, and it's really Aww. sad. And then his wife gets revenge by releasing all the chickens so that they peck him to death. Hmm. And it ends in this really surreal bit of just, all, like, this army of chickens just walking around. They've never been free-range before. They've never seen the sun. <laughs> and it's just them going, well, he's dead. And there sure are a lot of chickens. And she's like, I know, we should have sex. And he's just like, Well, I suppose we should. <laughs> and, then, and then it just cuts in, to the in chicken. In front of the chickens? And then like it cuts to like the rooster's eye as he's looking mm. at the house, like, Ah ha ha ha. ha. <laughs> totally different from every episode of the show. It doesn't look like it, doesn't so feel strange. like it. And I get it, Sam Fuller's going to do whatever the fuck Sam Fuller wants right. to do. Yeah. It's so
0: weird. I'm not, and Patricia Highsmith wrote this? What is going on here? I have a feeling he uh, just wasn't evoking yeah,
1: Patricia Heismith He was just doing his there, own thing. Yeah, tale. there are
0: dream sequences where the chicken is talking to him and inciting him to do violence. Yeah. Like using chickens. I was r- reminded of this really horrendous book I read once called Cows by a British author named Matthew Stokoe. Oh, yeah. But I've read of that in a that, yeah. I, I it's, it, it. yeah. It's, it's one of the most like like filthy, unpleasant pieces of literature I'll ever Ooh. run across. I wrote an essay for it for Blumhouse because it's horror. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just this sort of... Farming is a world of filth and death. Yeah. Those placid murals you see in the grocery store of a farmer in a big hat out in the fields. Lies! With, uh, for some reason, they're picking a whole ear of corn out of the ground. It comes off of stock, you know. Uh, just Yeah, everything is really kind of clean. They have one milking cow. Of, of course, that's where the this grocery store is getting these gallons and gallons of milk. It's one nice milking cow out in the middle of this placid farm. No, farming is hell. It's a me- mechanized Hellraiser world where f- Things are losing their skin, and there's blood and filth and stench. When have and you ever been a farmer? Twenty-four hours a day. You ever been a farmer? I've
1: been to those places. I'm just saying <laughs> you have a very you don't have the most insidery perspective. There might be others who disagree. I've, with I've you.
0: seen film of the insides okay. of slaughterhouses and stuff. I know how it works these days. Fair enough. Anyway, May, okay, maybe there is a placid farm somewhere that has a grain silo and has one milking cow. They sell at a local market. Maybe there's still one in existence. I'm willing to bet in the 1930s there were probably a couple more. I'm sure, but not that's, today. Not today. <laughs> not in the industrialized
1: farming I, I, world. I do not endorse everything Whitney is saying right now, but fair enough. We got to move on. Uh, the next episode. <laughs> well, What's the
0: comment of this episode? It's, it's yeah. you know, no, no, I get it. You, you read the hell. jungle. You know, this these yeah. the, where we get our food is disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next episode.
1: Boy, was this one a big letdown. Yeah. Puzzle. Uh, Puzzle is about a French advertising oh. executive who's dating two women at once.
0: Oh yeah, and there's no ending. Yeah, it's it's not like even a
1: thriller. It's it's suspenseful because like when are they going to mm-hmm. meet? But like with this very slight change in tone, uh-huh. this is a comedy.
0: It's, it's almost like a farce. This guy is, you know, a, kind of a classic French Lothario, which mm-hmm. I've heard Eddie Azard refer to. My name is Pierre. I've come from Paris. I've come to have sex with your family. Well, come on in. <laughs> Help yourself. Because
1: of the debt of honor to Lafayette. To General Lafayette. Uh, uh, no, he's just, he's just, he's dating two women at once. Uh, when one girlfriend leaves his apartment, he puts all of like that girlfriend's things in a box, like her picture on the bedstand, mm. and takes out the other box with the other girlfriend's things and puts that girlfriend's picture on the bedstand, mm. and so on and so
0: forth. Well, one's, and, one's a screenwriter, one's a, one's an English screenwriter who is French, and one <laughs> is a, a French model for the advertising agency. Who is French? Who's, who is French? To, to be fair um they're both quite nice like there's no like
1: evil one they're both they're both lovely people and they mm-hmm. both i don't know what they see in this guy but they both are very
0: fond of him and and you're willing to look the other way for a lot of it because he's french and <laughs> the French look the french invented infidelity look, so i get the impression he's going to get his comeuppance eventually man. so like you know he and, shouldn't and be he, doing this and he does he, he uh wants to go look for a home he's uh, arranged he's to been look- told by one of his bosses that he would be uh,
1: more manager material, like he'd be more promotable if he was married. Mm. So he's debating which one of these, he's got to dump one of these girls. Oh. And they're both really, not just, good catches, not, yeah. not only are they great, like they're both wonderful, mm. uh, but they're both helping him with his work. Like one of them's a model, the other mm. one comes up with advertising ideas he has flat out stolen. Yeah. And she keeps asking, oh, do they like that idea I sent them? He's like, I don't know, it has, mm. they, they hasn't come back yet. Meanwhile, his boss is like, I love this idea you've got. Mm. So he's a dick. Um, and, uh, then, it, like, he's gonna buy a house, maybe, and he wants to bring them both over to see the house, but they both come over at the same time, and they both decide that they hate him, and then they punch him, and that's it. Mm-hmm. They try to sell it with, they like, shell, this one cool shoot. bit where he, like, turns both of their faces into a puzzle, and then reassembles them so that they're half one person. Mm-hmm.
0: That doesn't mean shit. I'm not, I'm not sure where he's getting those puzzles of his girlfriends. Well, you can, but, yeah. you can make pre- you can have puzzles made. You can, I know it's there's just a, a standard a, a pieces too, thing. so they would
1: fit together. It makes mm-hmm.
0: sense, but yeah, no, honestly, it's not suspenseful. It's not horrifying. Well, well, will they find <coughs> out? Oh yeah, and they found out what happened. They got mad and they left him. I bet it was that They actually... shot out the
1: tires of his car, and that's kind of it. I haven't read the short story for this one. I mean, it's supposed to so I bet it was good mm. anyway. But I bet this worked better as a short story when it's just about this guy trying to balance everything and, you mm. know, just the anxiety of that. But when you're watching it as a movie, it's too similar to rom-coms. Yeah. So it doesn't really come across as particularly suspenseful or exciting or even mm. that fun. Yeah. So this one's just big old dud. Uh, the next one is one that should have been 20 minutes. Uh, it's called Slowly, Slowly in the Wind. <laughs> slowly, slowly slowly in the slowly. wind which one was slowly? this is the scarecrow slowly.
0: episode oh golly what the hell was happening in this one
1: this one again this would have been fine in in under 20 minutes before an yeah. hour it's so padded so uh uh James Fox who mm. I think is on Downton Abbey okay uh he plays a rich man who bought an estate and he wants to farm cherries there and live there in his old age and his daughter is played by Miriam Dabo mm. uh, who the, the lesser known Dabo most people know her sister, but, um, yeah, Miriam was the uh, lead in The Living Daylights opposite right. uh, Timothy Dalton. Um, she She's the light of his life, and she loves him dearly, and he has a feud going on. It's kind of a man out of the spring thing uh, with this other, family.
0: Other business guy. Yeah there's, yeah, there's
1: a family living next door, and it's been their land for forever, and what he wants is to buy uh, The River. From them Wants to buy that land And they're like No it's been in our family For generations He's like We'll give you An astounding amount of money And it'll set you up for life And they're like Yeah we're not really worried about, We're worried about Generations to mm. come We want future generations To have this And he's like Well what if I just bought it For my lifetime And that it reverts back to you And they're just like This is getting weird And we're leaving <laughs> So he's really obsessed With with having his own way And then his daughter uh, Falls in love With the son of this guy He doesn't like mm. And uh, he The the guy the, the father of the the, the of the young man mm. actually is like, this is great. We can put this feud beside us now. Our kids mm. will be happy together. You'll have this land because it'll be in the family. Everything's mm. solved. But and it, he's thri- just it like, drives
0: James Fox totally bonkers. Like, no, this can't happen. We're rivals. We're and Hatfields and McCoys. I, I,
1: need, I need this for my identity. So he kills the guy. Oh. And the guy just disappears. And what people don't realize is that he put him in the scarecrow. That's yeah. that's it. What, he well, gets looked, and he, it's and he, he, po- looks, he looks at the scarecrow like in the wind every once in a while, and chuckles to himself, knowing that he won. That's it.
0: Well, and it's so anticlimactic the way the scarecrow becomes involved because they're setting it up it's like ooh the scarecrow scarecrow's gonna to come to life and kill somebody no that's not the way this show works no it's really uh, not oh I get it he's gonna use a body he's just gonna string somebody up he's gonna be all rotten there like a skeleton that's gonna be really Tales from the Crypt no he just, he just covered
1: it. him up and he can't tell he covered up. you'd smell no, like, that shit he, he was...
0: killed the guy and w- got too tired disposing of the body like he killed him out in the middle of a field And so he's like, okay, well, I can't just leave him here. So I got to, like, drag him four miles back to the estate. So he starts pulling this guy, gets tired on the way, and realizes he can hide him in the scarecrow. Mm. It's like, this would have been much more wicked if, like, you had thought this out. Again, if it's punchy, this would be fine. Again, if it's 20 minutes, in and out, it would be
1: uncomplicated, maybe a little derivative of other stuff we've seen. They're probably Mm. post-State producer Heisman's story, but what are you going to do? Uh, it would have been fine. This is fifty minutes yeah, I, of a story with like two plot points and not a lot to say about it. Uh,
0: most of these episodes take a while to get going to let you know like what the story is. Yeah, like you're like something like with the cat brings in fingers inciting incident. Okay, you got your story immediately, but uh, you know this guy's dating two women and they're kind of slowly meeting out information and they're trying mm-hmm. to build suspense through letting the story sort of progress until the actual premise emerges and it right. turns out he has to make this decision this one I feel like i I kept on waiting for it to start yeah. and then it was over yeah it's like I'm waiting for up. the premise to start it's like okay you have this rivalry and it's gonna incite some oh he's dead yeah you killed him without doing the story <laughs> 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 like the, all of the the tension and build up stuff was nothing. I was just yeah, you, no, and you was no chatting fo- with Mariam Dabo,
1: and there's no like, f- and there's no like follow through at the end. Like, someone finds out, but they decide not to do anything about it. There's no like I- irony. He doesn't lose his daughter or anything like that. It mm. just sort of happens. Yeah. Uh, the next one I liked a lot though. It's uh, a curious suicide, uh, and this one, Nickel Williamson, uh, who you probably know best as Merlin from Excalibur, yeah. but is an excellent actor. Mm. Uh, he's excellent as Merlin. I might just believe yeah. him. overall he's an excellent actor. Uh, he plays uh, a man who's visiting England, and uh, he's visiting an old... He, he, his wife tells him to visit an old friend. Mm. He's been living in a loveless marriage, and the reason why is because the woman he actually loved married a friend of his who betrayed him, ah, ruined stole, the relationship. Stole the love of his life. Yep, married her. She died several years ago, and there's no... There's, he's never had any closure. So he goes to visit this guy. They talk for, you know, about half a day. The guy's not evil, he's just kind of a just kind of a dick. Yeah. You know, not 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 even the worst on the show. Just, you know, kind of a womanizer. He loved her, but he's moved on so fast that Nicole Williamson is offended by it and um and then Nicole Williamson kills him. Mm. And what he decides to do, and he's talked about this from the very beginning, and this is smart on this show, establish early on where we're going so that we'll have the patience to get there. Uh He flat out just said, he's talking about how people try to get away with murder by removing clues. And his idea is I'm going to add clues. Uh I'm going to implicate myself. So it's so obvious Uh they wouldn't do it. So he leaves his suitcase behind. He kills the guy and such a, and and then he leaves a suitcase behind. So, and then he calls him up and says, Oh, I left my suitcase behind Uh something the killer would never do because it just implicates you more. So he does that and it works. And all of a sudden, like the maid has turns out she has an abusive brother who right. has like a bad relationship with her with her employer, I, I feel and like, he gets. Oh he, gosh. No, hold on, I, I, I just I like where this goes because it seems so obvious and pat. And he's getting away with it, and he's feeling pretty good. And then his wife said, "You killed him. <laughs> I knew you loved his wife. I knew you didn't love me. But you know what? Now we have a secret." Now we're together. We're we're we have a closer bond than we've ever had before. Mm. Yeah, I know you never love me, but now that we're closer together than ever, we can build a whole new life around this. And Nick Williams just like fuck it, I'm confessing, <laughs> <laughs> and he goes to the police station to confess. But then the guy, the patsy killed himself, and he's like, at this point, it's too late anyway. Yeah. So he just goes back, and he's like, fuck it, I'll go back to my wife. That I don't <laughs> like, yeah. It's just this like little uh, abject misery.
0: Like this is like, you can do no right or wrong. It's a cute ending, but I feel like, just like the last one, there's way too much chaff. Like, we're spending way too much time getting to the things. Uh, I saw a really terrific uh, Italian film that won best, uh, best Picture at the Academy Awards mm. once, uh, called... Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Uh, Yeah, great Ennio Morricone score. And yeah, it's about a police chief who's very impulsive and murderous, decides to see how far his privilege extends as a rich white guy and and a a police chief. So he, he commits murder and he begins deliberately planting evidence against himself. Like, yeah. he, like he leaves very obvious fingerprints. He's uh, clearing off his schedule in such a way where people know where he is. He's definitely at the murder scene. And the police keep trying to brush it off of him. Mm. And he keeps placing like more and more obvious evidence and they keep, you know, how, keep aggressively brushing it off him to the point where he starts going a little crazy. <laughs> it's a pretty fun film. That was a, a really corker of a thriller. This is the boring version of that, and it's only fifty minutes. But
1: I think I think Patricia Highsmith, I and mean, this is one of the ones that I think evokes Patricia. I haven't read everything she's done. But right. I've, I've read Patricia Highsmith's work, and I think this is one of the ones that captures her tone pretty well. Mm. Um, I think Patricia Highsmith knows that people are bored. Yeah, people people have boring lives, and she's kind of fascinated by that because in that those moments of boredom and loneliness and. Mm that's when your mind starts going your mind starts filling in blanks and making things more dramatic or more interesting than they actually are and as a result this one doesn't feel padded to me this one feels like because some of them are just people walking around houses doing nothing that's padding. like the Scarecrow one that one's padded Mm -hmm. This is we're actually getting good character stuff the entire way through. Is it dry? Yeah, it's dry. I'm not gonna fight John. Very dry. I'm not gonna fight John. Dry.
0: dry, But
1: I like dry sometimes, and I think this one is. I think the the all of the dead space we get with him and his wife informs the end of the episode. So Mm.
0: I think I think this one works. I like this
1: one obviously more than
0: you did. Yeah, Um, I I, I was not impressed with this one. Uh,
1: The next one is. Geez, is it my least favorite? It's a bird poised to fly. Oh, this was the first episode I saw.
0: Oh God, what a horrible intro! Yeah, and, intro. and yeah, it was not a good place to start. No, this because, is a
1: terrible episode. Yeah. Um, this um, one is, It's about an architect who's in love with someone who clearly isn't that into him. Yeah, like they go, keeps ghosting him,
0: and yeah, he falls in love with a, a French woman, and she goes abroad, and we're not really sure what happened to her because he doesn't know what happened. He becomes obsessed with her absence, mm-hmm. and there's this whole like rigmarole with. Who's writing letters to whom, and who's getting those letters? And he finds out that she's yeah, she's not into him, and is actually having a relationship with somebody else, and that drives him even crazy. And by sheer coincidence, the guy lives like right, it's above him, right? But that's a coincidence. That's so weird. And so like he's checking his neighbor's mailbox and is trying to write letters on both of their behalf to manipulate their relationship, Mm -hmm. and so that she'll become obsessed
1: with the other guy, just as he's obsessed with her. And then he ends up killing the guy and that's it it's mm. it's one of those movies where like I, I understand <coughs> excuse uh, TV shows yeah I'm Sorry, it's one of those stories where it's about obsession and I get that obsession is often quite irrational mm. or at the very least wildly overblown it's something that you're interested in and then it consumes you and it's all you can think about but it's only interesting to you well sometimes <laughs> it is like there's sometimes where there's some stories that are so deft that even if it's not your obsession you can get into it. It's like if you're mm-hmm. listening to, say, a hyper-specific podcast about something that, like, nobody cares about except the hosts. Like, mm. I don't know, like some sort of podcast about shows that were canceled too soon. <laughs> and, like, that's, that's me tooting to my own horror. But my point is, like, you ever heard just someone talk about a subject that you didn't know you gave a shit about? Mm. And they're so passionate and so into it that all of a sudden you're fascinated. Here's an example. Uh, defunct Land. Oh, yeah. It's a great YouTube series. You should totally I've check seen it some yeah. of those. Yeah, They're yeah. wonderful. And here's the premise of it, if you're not familiar with it. Amusement park rides that no longer exist.
0: Mm.
1: Now, on the surface, that doesn't sound very interesting. It's like, oh, and there was this ride. It's kind of oh. interesting. And then we moved on. There's a huge history to all of these rides. People who rode them, people who died on them, the weird genesis of their creation, which, especially <laughs> in large theme parks like Disneyland, mm. can be incredibly elaborate. Like, did you know that, like, Splash Mountain at Disneyland? Do you know why it's called Splash Mountain? Because it has nothing to do with the actual ride other than you know, the splash it makes. It's called Splash Mountain because the movie Splash was a hit movie and they thought they could capitalize on it.
0: Splash had come out, like, years previous by the Splash, time they opened that ride. Splash Mountain was in development that long. Oh, my gosh. It's weird. Ugh. I never
1: knew I was fascinated by defunct theme park rides. I'm not even that into theme parks. Like, I like them <laughs> fine, <laughs> but, like, I'm fascinated yeah, by defunct rides. So, like, you can latch on to someone else's obsessions. Yeah. Or their weird niche interests. Mm. But you have to invite them in. Nothing in this episode makes me share his obsession with her. Nothing about it makes me go, oh, he's got a point. I, I guess I'd be a little obsessed. Like, there's something about Mary. You see how Cameron Diaz is everyone's dream person okay everything she says just pits everyone perfectly and it's a tragedy for her because she keeps attracting all these 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 people are
0: falling in love with her but she's
1: just such a wonderful human being that you kind of understand why that would happen so the movie kind of functions i haven't seen that movie you've never seen this okay well in any case this one doesn't do the work and so i'm spending the entire episode
0: going Oh, my God, get a hobby. <laughs> and, it's, well, and it's filmed something. in that, that soft, deep, blue, hazy, uh, erotic thriller kind of way. Like Skinamax, too, because it's yeah, on shitty video. There's a lot of that really kind of KTWV, easy listening, adult contemporary <laughs> jazz bullshit that's just playing throughout. And, yeah, like it starts with him wiping blood on his face. Like, oh, it's going to be interesting. Oh, I was wrong.
1: <laughs> The one thing I will say about this episode before we move on, there's one thing I admire. If you look at this episode, you just watch the beginning when he writes, he's writing a letter. That's mm. the framing device. He has really good penmanship. Let's move on. <laughs> like, I was watching him just like,
0: ooh, look what he did with that H. That's a fun... He's <laughs> fun. Speaking of weird obsessions, um, uh, have you ever, like, been writing something down? Like, writing something in longhand or you just write a sign? And you just sort of step back and think, wow, that was a nice S. Yes. Like you admire your own handwriting for a moment. I picked pick like, that up. That's quirk a good up. number three that I just wrote. Like I, it's just a perfect shape.
1: I picked that quirk up from my dad. Like when he, would, he would read the newspapers and he would like just practice his penmanship on the margins. And so by the time I got the comics, he was, would have like the entire Russian alphabet like okay. gr- like like wow. doodled on the side. I'm like, oh, good Russian alphabet, dad. And moving on. <laughs> hmm, Garfield likes lasagna
0: today. Um, moving on. William. Garfield likes lasagna every day. Oh. Garfield likes lasagna. Get with it. <laughs> Jeez.
1: Moving on. The next episode, this one is a Total Tales from the Crypt episode. Uh, this is The Stuff okay. of Madness with Dean it, Holm.
0: It's like the chicken episode. This one's totally bizarre because it's there's two stories going on simultaneously that don't quite intersect. And they're both really strange.
1: So Ian Holm uh, is mm. a semi-retired lawyer. Uh, his uh, wife and he have an odd quirk. They have a lot of pets, and they love their pets. Mm. They both love their pets. And like, they feed their pets from the dinner table, like, oh, I'm not hungry tonight. Let's just give the steak to the dog. Mm. And then they do, and they love the dog. But throughout their lifetime together, they've had so many pets that they decided to memorialize them all by, having them, them. Yeah, yeah. by having them stuffed. And instead of just putting them like in the parlor or something, uh. they've created a menagerie in their backyard. Hmm. which I'm like, you're in England. It rains. That can't be good for those. Like, that can't be, right? I don't know a lot about taxidermy, but I feel like that can't be good. Maybe maybe
0: there's a way to, like, coat them in wax or something so they're waterproof. Uh, I I don't know a lot about taxidermy It's a practical question
1: I would have liked answered, but whatever, the show doesn't care. Um, And uh, so we also find out that Ian Holm Doesn't really love his wife very much.
0: They get along. Well, openly, just their their marriage has staled and they don't have a very warm relationship anymore.
1: And we find out that about 20 years ago, he had a brief affair Mm. with someone who he loved very, very much. And he thought showed him what life would be like. But he couldn't leave his wife. And she moved away. I think she's living in Italy or something now. Mm. And he's been pining for her ever since. And Mm. at the beginning of the episode, he spies in a window that just walked just driving down the street. A mannequin who looks just like the woman he had an affair with. (laughs) And he's totally taken aback by it. And he decides... While well, his wife is going through, like, this thing where her menagerie has captured the attention of the local news and they want to do a paper story and, on, and like, she, her weird obsessions.
0: And she's totally okay with the fact that they're writing this story to sort of make fun of how weird she is. Well, she thinks it might, like,
1: give people hope who love pets, but I'm like, dude, most people are going to find that shit morbid. Yeah. Like, they're just, they just are. Fortunately, mm. it's pre-Twitter, so, like, if you missed <laughs> the paper that day, you'd never know. Right. But, like, nowadays, I would, never, I would be like, oh, dude, we are not letting the news anywhere near our house. Mm. That's gonna take. That's gonna be taken real weird. Yeah, and honestly, they'd be right. Mm. Um, but uh, meanwhile, while she's memorializing all of her pets, he decides to. I'm glad this didn't go to him
0: like just stuffing someone and killing them. But like, he which decides which, to, which happened in Tales from the Crypt, by the way. Oh, of course, it where, did. where uh, um, M, M. M. At Walsh gets taxidermied by his wife. I had. I was having deja vu as well.
1: Uh, uh, but yeah, he. There's a funny scene where Ian Holm decides to buy the mannequin, but he wants that very specific mannequin, and there's like a mm. store manager who, weirdly enough, I get the impression, has done this bit before. <laughs> like, someone wants to buy a mannequin so they can have sex with it. Oh. And he's just like, oh, yes, I'm sure we can find the right one. Oh, you'll want the wig and everything. Like, oh. now let's get some lace under things for your mannequin. What about these? Oh, no, stockings are uh, too modern for the play I'm putting on. Yes, that's it. Oh, yes, of course. Of course, the the play. Right, right, right. Wink. Ish. What about these? Like, oh, yes, good. We'll, we'll need a bra to match and <laughs> That whole bit's gold. <laughs> that whole bit's great because you know there's a there's that additional there's a, story there, under there where this happens uh, more often than you'd think. This
0: un- underground black market sex mannequin, and then guy. <laughs> so he brings the
1: mannequin home and he dresses it up, and then I don't understand this bit. He doesn't keep it in, like, his study or something. He, he puts it puts in, it a in a the garden. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, when the reporters come in and they're talking about all the pets, all of a sudden there's this weird, creepy mannequin. In lingerie. And his wife, who knew about the affair mm-hmm. and, like, never said anything, but she knew. We saw this. She sees it and she recognizes the woman and she faints and she goes kind of catatonic. And then, does she
0: poison him? Is that what happened? Oh, I, I didn't think she poisoned him. I thought his obsession just killed him. I don't know what happened. He like he, he, he dies. Yeah, he, goes, he dies. He goes like, out to the the mannequin when he's clearly like so despondent in such a way. Yeah, maybe he was poisoned. Maybe I, was, I missed that detail. I, I, I watched I watched the ending twice just because I'm like that can't be. He Just have died. Yeah, randomly, like I think right? he, I think he just went out there. was like, and you were always mine, and and he just, just, just dies. Dies in her on, arms, in, like, the arms, like like in her
1: bosom, and then the reporters came in for a few more shots, and that's when they find him. And ironically he was the one who was like no don't take any pictures of this and then he's the one who's memorialized on the front page being yeah. weird but
0: the story in the paper is that he was having an affair with a real woman not that he died in the arms of a mannequin
1: yeah it's a little
0: c- and the so they, of- they photograph it in such a way where the mannequin's supposed to look real i don't know so yeah we have this weird taxidermy story about memorializing your pets and you would think that would be enough for a horror story and, nah. so, and a person's gonna get taxidermied at that end of the story fine and then you have this other one where somebody who's obsessed with the mannequin and the mannequin talks to him and maybe the mannequin springs to life or he starts killing for the mannequin. Whatever. Yeah. That's another story, too. Why are these two in the same episode?
1: I don't know. I, I will say this. the It doesn't come together very well.
0: Uh-huh. Ian Holm is really having fun with this. Ian, well, Ian Holm is a class act. Of course, I, I know he's he's, he's known for stuff like Alien and Hobbits, mm-hmm. but he's a classically trained actor. He's you know he's played King Lear before, and he he mm. can do really complex, emotionally strange things. And yeah. this is just proof of that. And uh, and credit as well to uh, Eileen
1: Atkins, who plays his wife in this episode. You yeah. know from Gosford Park or mm-hmm. uh, Cold Mountain, and um, yeah, she's they're both really really great together. So it's an okay episode. Just fumbles mm-hmm. th- the ending. A little bit. Um, and then the next one is. Under a
0: Dark Angel's
1: Eye. I really like the ending of this one. Mm. Um, so in this one, um, Ian Richardson.
0: Oh, yeah, this is. This, this one. This one. This works. has an interesting twist in the middle that I really yeah. appreciate. I saw
1: where it was going and then I didn't see where it was going yeah. and I liked where it went. Um, Ian Richardson comes home uh, to visit his mother. His mother is in a boarding house and he hated her. She was very oppressive uh she was dictatorial about religion she mm-hmm. ruined the only love affair he ever had uh he's just incredibly miserable but he's gotta show up and put his things in order and for some reason he just can't see his mother yeah and then he runs into a person on the street and it turns out his mother died a few years ago <laughs> and it turns out there's a there's a nice couple that has been mm-hmm. putting him up in their house who've tra- been collecting the checks he's and been yeah, sending tra-
0: trying trying to bilk him and uh and it turns out not only not only are the elderly couple bilking them, but they're doing so at the behest of their really cruel son.
1: Yeah, their adopted son. Yeah. There's a terrible bit where they talk about how, well, at least he's adopted and we didn't contribute to his evil. And I'm like, I don't know why you needed to demonize adoption there for a minute. But
0: the whole well, bit it's is... The, it's a way of explaining away why they're so nice and he's so mean.
1: But I like the moral like complexity here because the first half of the episode is him actually having a really nice friendly relationship with these people hmm. he never had a relationship like that with his mom no. but here's this nice elderly couple who are really nice to him and everything and when he finds out that they A. betrayed him and B. stole a lot of money from him he doesn't know how to respond like he's really confused he's, he's going through a lot right now his mother's been dead for a while and he's been living in her thumb for all this time hmm. And uh, they they ask him what are you gonna do? And he's like, well, what would you do in my in my position? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we don't know. And he's like, I don't either. <laughs> yeah, and so he and... goes home, and it's just the second half of the episode is that holy couple like not sure what he's gonna do.
0: Like afraid of him, even though he gets he genuinely he confused. He doesn't really know what to do about all this. Yeah. And so he they stop sending the checks.
1: They, but yeah. yeah, they try calling him and he doesn't respond and some one of the one of the conspirators kills themselves even though they didn't have to, like mm-hmm. someone was asking her questions about a totally unrelated thing. Everyone oh, just starts dying yeah. horribly and then it all ends with everyone except like the,
0: the, the, the woman and the couple mm. dies. It's play, played by Anna Massey, by the way, from peeping Tom. She's got a nice long career.
1: Uh Everyone but her dies horribly because they were waiting for this guy to exact his revenge. And then he finally sends out a letter. It's like, I've been thinking it over, and I never liked my mother very much. And I finally read the Bible cover to cover, and I realized it's kind of a terrible book, and I don't really want to be an eye-for-an-eye eye kind of guy. And you were actually nicer to me than he ever was, so I'm just going to let it go. Mm-hmm. We're just going to let bygones be bygones. I just I don't well, care. It's, it, it, <laughs> but it's too late. They get the yeah. letter too late, and they're all dead now.
0: <laughs> I, I do... Um... I do like that notion of, like, forgiveness as kind of, like, the one supernatural element here. Yeah. It's like, of course, they're being done in by their own guilt. This is Raskolnikov. This is crime and punishment. But, uh, and yeah, they didn't even, like, they didn't kill the mom. They're just bilking this dude. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's it's, It's a crime. Yeah. And they stole a lot of money from him, but... What, he wasn't doing anything with the money anyway, and yeah, that, <laughs> you know,
0: I, I do see that there's an interesting theological underpinning here that Patricia Highsmith m- most likely intended from her original story, which is organized religion, Christianity as it's practiced, especially uh, in England at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, is not helping anybody. It's this mm. like cruel revenge-oriented philosophy. And for a British show, like Britain has like a national religion, like the Church of England.
1: Yeah. So like to have a, the ending of an episode of British television be a character coming like to peace and be, improving themselves by saying, "I think the Bible is crap," mm. and
0: then burning a Bible yeah. page on, by page on camera. Yeah. Like ripping out each page. That's pretty bold. It's pretty I'm bold. This and, is a good episode. But but uh Richard Highsmith is arguing that forgiveness, which actually is is a Christian tenet, is something that is, you know, mixed in there that's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Don't don't pay attention to the Bible, but, you know, Christ's philosophy of forgiveness is kind of okay. Uh,
1: and then the last episode uh, is an episode that I think was legitimately shocking to the point that uh, actually it's like a big trigger warning on this one.
0: Yeah. Uh, this is and, like and
1: this really, is, another one feels really out of place.
0: It's really out of place because it's the one like legit thriller out of yeah. this, like where it's just tense all the way through and there's actual like violence in it. Yeah, a, a woman played by uh, Tuesday. It's called
1: Something You Have to Live With. Something
0: You Have to Live With. Uh, Tuesday Weld plays a woman who's left alone in a mansion for an evening. Her husband goes out. They just moved into a um, place in the country. And, yeah, she's there by herself, and uh, a thief breaks in. hmm And she's really afraid, and she's trying to hide from the thief at first, but then she and the thief see one another. The thief's wearing a really scary mask. And... He realizes immediately, both realize immediately that he has all the power in this scenario. Mm -hmm. She's terrified. He's just there to grab stuff. So he threatens her. uh He pushes her around. He takes her stuff. Threatens her with sexual assault. Yeah, threatens her with sexual assault. And the one thing that he cannot abide is her bloody cat. And he, he kills the
1: cat. And, and it's obviously a fake cat, you yeah. know, I, I don't think they actually heard anything, but and in, like, way too vivid a way. Like, it's mm. genuinely shocking. Right. After You've been watching all of these episodes where everything's very tasteful. Mm. And that's when she snaps, mm. and she hits him on the head with a shovel. She hits him again. She hits him again. A <laughs> bunch of and times. Hits him a bunch of times. And then, like, she runs out to, like, his accomplice in a car who's got all this stuff in their car, and the mm. car drives away, and that part's never resolved. Mm. And then, the, you know, and then police show up. Husband comes home, and weirdly, she's sort of fine with it, and it's, it's such a weird episode because well, it's not about her. Everyone's like, oh, you must be traumatized. You must feel so guilty. No, I don't. He broke into my house. He stole yeah. our things. He killed our cat, and he threatened to attack me, so I killed him, and she just starts bringing it up casually in conversation mm-hmm. and making people very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yeah, so we'll need a pound of sugar,
0: and uh, we'll need some tea, and, and uh, did I, I killed the I guy killed a man. Yeah. last
1: week. <laughs> Yes, it wasn't even that hard. (laughs) Like,
0: and it's just people come over for a party and we're wondering if she's going to be okay. Uh, I killed somebody in the kitchen. Would you like to see where? Yeah. And
1: she's fun at parties, but her husband's freaked out because shouldn't you be traumatized? And she's like, no, Mm. I don't feel like, and here's the thing she's right. (laughs) Like, she's not treating it like, I mean, she's clearly dealing with some unresolved issues, like yeah. she's afraid to have possessions of value anymore. There's stuff that she isn't talking about, but the actual murder thing, she's actually dealing with in so healthy a way that it scares people. <laughs> well, it's it's like... She's um, not a sociopath all of a sudden. Yeah. She's just coping really well.
0: It's like Camus the Stranger. Do you ever read The Stranger? Yes, yeah. yeah, the, yeah. Whole, the whole deal is that he k- kills a guy and doesn't feel any remorse whatsoever. Well, then that, that's a different situation, it, though. A, Here a, she was clearly self-defense. Indiated, but you know, it's the sort of thing where um, one of the reasons the main character of The Stranger is uh, pilloried at the end is because he's not behaving the way he ought to in mm, terms of... Like uh, a guilty person. Well... The way it starts is he's going to mourn his dead mother and his, he doesn't care. He's just yeah. not doing that correctly. So this is about how there is an, um, an amount of decorum to trauma. Yeah. And she violates that decorum. I don't know. I was thinking about, um, did you ever see the original Cat People it's been a while, but I've seen it. Okay,
1: I was thinking about I was rewatching Cat People and its sequel uh, Curse mm. of Cat People. Um, these are Val Luton movies, they're, and uh, they're,
0: they're on the Criterion Channel. Actually, I the, the Val
1: Lewton didn't do the second one, but um, uh, they're excellent. Mm. And uh, but they're from a different era, and I think their perspective was slightly skewed because Cat People is about the original Cat People. It's about a guy who meets a girl, and she's uh, she's from Eastern Europe, and she's got a lot of superstitions, and it's all about him trying to tell her, no, no, everything you believe is stupid. I'll take care of everything. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out everything she believed was right. <laughs> everything she, she actually does transform into a cat and she's afraid of intimacy because of, like, it's basically... of cat it, power
0: will come out.
1: The whole movie is predicated on the idea of how scary would it be if a woman's superstitions were true. And you watch it in the time, I imagine it probably would have come out that way. You watch it now, and you realize, how scary would it be if you told everyone everything was actually happening and nobody believed you, and it all went to shit anyway? Uh-huh. And then in the sequel, it's all about the, the guy has a daughter, and she's too much like the original woman he was married to. Uh-huh. And it's all about him trying to prevent her from being independent and having her own <laughs> thoughts. And like, oh, how scary would it be if your daughter was independent and had her own thoughts? And I'm just like, no! And I'm watching this and I'm like, I feel like it's supposed to be scary that she's not acting normally. Mm -hmm. And in factuality, it's more uncomfortable for me, for her, that no one else is appreciating that she's actually just dealing relatively well. Mm. And they're just giving her shit. For like being upfront about it and being able to have an open yeah. dialogue about it, and she,
0: to, be, to be fair, she is dealing with it a little too well. Like she that she brings it up at parties and brings people into like the site of the actual killing. It's gonna make you that's like darkly funny in a way. It, well, it, it is, but at the same time, I'm sort of admire
1: her for it. All you right. know, just like breaking down the walls of mm-hmm. like propriety and just be like, I'm gonna talk about this the way you talk about anything else. Yeah. Oh, your bunny you had some prize roses. Good for you. Ah, I killed a guy. Hmm. <laughs> like, that, great. I mean, no, not great, but you know yeah. what I mean, like, let's have that talk. Um, it's a very it's a very Highsmith kind of story, and yeah. um, it's, it, I think it's a good send-off, although, again, if you decide to watch this for yourself, wow, did that violence just come out of nowhere. <laughs> it's just nothing yeah. else like it in the whole series. It was really disturbing.
0: Well, something I, I appreciate about this story is I've seen countless films with violence, you know, horror movies with violence, yeah. where people get rent from limb to limb and people just die by the score and there's, you know, some kind of horrible killer. It's really rare that we see the aftermath. Um, that's something I appreciated about Rob Zombie's Halloween Two. Mm. There was a good port, like a good thirty-minute portion of that movie. I think it's like half the movie. Well, yeah, mostly. where it's just people dealing with the fallout from the first movie. And, and even and when Michael, Michael Myers, Myers isn't even in it, and even
1: when Michael Myers is in it, they don't know yet, and they're still just dealing with yeah. the post-traumatic stress. All that,
0: all that, all that stuff is brilliant. All that stuff, and I mean, the, the movie overall is just bonkers and dumb. But that portion of it is really great. It's really genuine. Yeah, yeah. yeah and the people are like. Now they're really comfortable with friends, but then they get these, like, really horrible flashbacks, so they just have bad memories, and it's about dealing with that trauma. And I appreciate now, when I see a a story about violence or death, where the consequences of the violence and the death are at least addressed. Mm. And I feel like we get both here. We get that really thrilling home invasion story, really darkly harrowing, like a lot, lot of really dark things going on, and then... That's a, not even the point. That, and, and that's not that's the just, point of it. That's not the end of the story.
1: That's just the inciting the, incident. The, the yeah. trauma,
0: getting the, that guy to leave your house is, you know, it's immediate in the moment. It's a good thriller setup, but that's never where the story ends because yeah. you have to live with that for the rest of your life. Exactly. No matter how that ended, if you survived that, mm-hmm. you're going to have to live with whatever yeah, happened. Yeah, that's a scar no, yeah. no
1: matter what happens. Yeah.
0: So I, I, I do appreciate that this is a story about that and about how – I think it's not about how she's dealing with it well. I think she's – Putting on some pretty good airs, but she's not— fake, not that she's faking anything. But I think that she was broken by the experience. Oh, she's and definitely that she, changed. She's forever. not not able to get over this, and that she's able to bring it up so flipply is actually a sign of her her harm.
1: I, I I'm not I do not mean to imply that I think she's fine. Okay, what I mean to say is something horrible happened to her. And she's dealing with it in a way that confuses people, uh-huh. but I honestly think of all the ways to deal with it, it is not the least healthy. Mm. In fact, she's actually being very upfront and having frank dialogue about it. Yeah. And she's very fair, and she's like, "You, I just want the husband, like, I just want the things to be back the way they were." And she's like, "They can't. That's it's all different that's now." I, yeah. I accept that. That's that. It sucks. I grant you, but like, this is it now. Hmm. I appreciate her frankness. I think that's actually a relatively healthy way to deal with the situation. Is she still traumatized?
0: Yes. Mm. I just
1: think she's dealing with it better than people would give her credit for. It. Okay. Um, so I, I did I, not I mean think, to. I did not mean to, yeah, to that she was traumatized. I think that's. I was, it's yeah, I, I was handling just saying that it unexpectedly I was just so.
0: saying that the trauma manifests is manifesting itself in a way that we don't ordinarily see in media, yeah. and we don't see in TV shows and in movies. You know, where uh, unfortunately trauma is not here recently here recently like the last many films in the last two or three years have all been very expressly about trauma mm-hmm. but uh, I feel like historically when you look at the way trauma is treated on screen it's typically seen as something that you can either just get over or will just dog you for the rest of your life well, There's, it's too extreme <laughs> well
1: it's like the, it's like the absolute nonsense that movies mm-hmm. have perpetuated and Silence like of the Lambs really helped uh, uh Solidify this lie In people's mm-hmm. minds The idea that If you were abused As a child in any way mm-hmm. You will become Abusive later That's your trauma yeah, you, will, will make you Into the monster that, that hurt you
0: Abuse translates Into serial killer It's a cheap it, plot point It's a cheap but, plot yeah.
1: point And if that were the case every, by, by now In the human experience mm-hmm. Everyone would be A serial killer yeah. Like every single there's, human being in any case We got a bit mm-hmm. off The beaten path here mm-hmm. uh, So uh, Mistress of Suspense That's it for the show mm-hmm. um, If it had continued
0: There's actually a lot Of Patricia Highsmith Material
1: left Like I don't even think they even got to her book, like Little Tales of Misogyny. Like there's tons of material.
0: There's tons of material. I I like the idea of making stories of Pitcher Highsmith, and like any anthology T V series, there's some really good ones in here. Yeah. I even liked the I even like the chicken one. It's totally bizarre. I've never seen anything like that. And uh Unfortunately, the framing material was so bad. So bad. And overall, the pacing is so bad. Mostly. Well, yeah. Some again, better again, than others, but yeah. again, I'm American. I'm maybe used to a faster pace than a British audience. Yeah. But yeah, the pacing is so slow in so many of these stories and the consequences are so blah at the end of so many episodes mm-hmm. that I'm kind of on the fence as to whether or not it was canceled too. Let sometimes.
1: me ask you this question before we even talk about that. If right. someone were to see only one episode of Mistress of Suspense, mm-hmm. which yeah. episode would you recommend?
0: Uh, that last one you would,
1: rec- you would recommend uh, Something You Have to Live With? Yeah Interesting choice I would I th- actually I
0: think that That might be like Yeah
1: I would actually uh, I would actually recommend The Cat Brought It In uh, Because it's a unique okay. tone Okay um, It's insightful And it's ironic Without punching in the gut with it Like even something like Really satisfying Like mm. Sauce for the Goose The Ian McShane episode With it's really Fun Tales in the Crypt ending It's not really indicative Of the show uh-huh. It's just a, it's a it's a yeah. it's an it's an unusual example of it. I think the cat brought it in just gives you the tone, the cynicism about human behavior, <laughs> but also they know it's funny. Yeah, the, the filmmakers and the actors they knew that, that one was it, funny. That one did have the best sense of humor. I think so. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's been an interesting exploration. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad we finally saw. It. We've mm-hmm. been having we had these DVDs for a while, which is a bad excuse. Um, so uh, was it canceled too soon? Um, I would say yeah. Okay. I think with another season of this, I think um, the material. It just depends on they got great cast yeah. every time. Uh, some directors were better at keeping it uh, together than others, and some adaptations made more sense than others. I would I would have recommended for a second season, mm. make it a half hour. Yeah, I think if yeah, it was a yeah. half hour, even the bad episodes of
0: this would have been way better. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking of uh, you know. Tales from the Crypt, which was airing at the same time as this, yes. and that was a half-hour show. Yeah, and I'm trying to think—you know—there are Tales from the Crypt episodes that couldn't stand to be 50 minutes, yeah. even ones I really like. And it, if you're, you need to get in, and you need to tell the gag. And if these and are you, morality plays, and you need to just, yeah, just set—it's okay if you play it broad because yeah. this is—you need to get established a lot I mean, really quickly. Smith wasn't
1: particularly broad as a storyteller, hmm. but she wrote a lot of really short, punchy yeah. stories. And some, some more so than others, but mm. the the material is is all there for that. And if you need to fill the hour long time slot, mm. two episodes to two stories an episode. Yeah. That was a common thing for a lot of uh, anthology shows. Yeah. So anyway, um so I'm gonna go with yeah, I think it was cancelled too soon. It's a it's on the cusp. Yeah. But I liked it more than I disliked it, so yeah. I, I,
0: shorten it to a half hour and Write better bookend material For Anthony Perkins Please Anthony Perkins is fine Keep him if, Well and, and sadly he died well, Not very true long true after, true this, after So this. he might
1: not have been Around anymore But yeah. you can get another You know Famous kind of creepy actor You know Yeah There's a lot, there's a lot of people around
0: so Somebody yeah Yeah F- Finding a host yeah, I'm sure Pick, pick anyone
1: be from this cast Get Nicole Williamson He'll do it There you go yeah. Getting get you McShane back There you go Um. So uh, So that's it That's it for the start Of Ghastlytober Thank you mm-hmm. everybody For listening We'll be back next week With another episode about a show that was chosen by our Patreon subscribers. It mm. is the 2007 BBC series Jekyll, <laughs> uh, which is a modern update of mm. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, it was very well received. Uh, there were plans for a second season. They did not come to fruition, which is kind of odd. It was mm. kind of an event. People mm. really liked this one. Mm. Uh, but it's made from the same people who ended up rebooting Sherlock. So <laughs> it's got a similar vibe, and we think yeah. we think you're going to uh, find it really interesting to explore. So... Mm. Um, thank everybody for that uh our whole podcast feed has changed in case you hadn't yeah. noticed <laughs> cancel too soon is going to stay here for forever at this rate uh but we have new shows on here so check out our new movie review show critically acclaimed uh we also have a new letters column episode where we're going to uh, a new letters column show mm-hmm. every week we're going to do letters uh so email us uh, letters at critically that's the new email we'll check our cancel too soon email but we might as well just stick to one now i think hmm. um and uh when we'll answer your letters on the air and it'll be fun and there's a bunch of other cool stuff we want to try out on this network as well but yeah. at first up got a lot of cool horror stuff um and of course if you're a patreon subscriber you get the vote for future episodes, and you get a ton of exclusive content, like Star Trek reviews, uh, best Oscar, Picture, nominees, best picture yeah. nominees, TV movies and miniseries, commentary tracks.
0: And my radio show! Most importantly, Whitney's my, my, radio um, show. or I guess my audio drama. That's the more more preferred phrase.
1: That's right. If you're a $20 subscriber on Patreon, you get Whitney's audio drama for, well, not for free, but for no additional cost. And it's if you want...
0: the 10th News. Listen to it. And if I'm, you want to listen
1: to it, and you're not a member of the Patreon and you can't afford to spend $20 a month, totally get it. Uh, however, for $10, just Contact Whitney on Twitter or wherever you can find him. If you'll find him on the street; he'll do it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he'll send it over to to Sweet. Hmm. So, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, I'm on Twitter at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold, and uh, that's a wrap. We'll see you next season.